storytelling. It's not just for children anymore. In fact, it might be just the one thing that drives investors, talent, and customers directly to your business. All today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Will. Todd Wills. Welcome to the podcast. Today we talk storytelling. Storytelling is no longer a nice to have, it's an essential for your business. It's gonna drive your investors, it's gonna drive your customers, and it's gonna bring you the best talent. And not only the best talent, but the best talent who want to desperately come work for you. Sound enticing? Well, today, Nancy Duarte is gonna talk to us about storytelling, her journey through working through some of the best of Silicon Valley, and how she's landed on this idea of data being a great equalizer and helping to tell that story. So sit back, take a listen, as Nancy Duarte, queen of storytelling, walks us through the ideas of how to tell a great story, what it means for your business, all today on the podcast. Nancy, who are you and why the heck are we talking to you? <laughs> I don't know. Why are we talking? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I am Nancy Duarte. I have, um, we're kind of the storytellers of the Silicon Valley. We've been in business for 30 years, uh, started with companies from the very, very beginning and watched them grow over time based a lot on how they communicate. So, um, yeah, it's fun to be here. I have 130 people and we write, produce and help you deliver great presentations or teach you how to teach yourself how to do it. So that's what we do. Well, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the end on on how you can experience some of what Nancy uh, talks about and teaches and where you can do that. But um, before we get into that, let's let's just dive right in. So, you know, Nancy, we've been talking about founders. Uh, this is very much founded based on founded towards uh, you know entrepreneurs and founders, startups, people just sort of starting up. And one of the prep questions I you know talked about with you is you know as a founder. Remember those days of, of, you know, being in a basement or, uh, you know, using cinder blocks uh, and two by fours to start your business. I mean, that's, that's how you started, right? Yeah, except it was crappy yellow shag carpet in a one room <laughs> apartment with a two year old daughter. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of, how you, you kind of lay down your life for your dream at times and kind of is what makes you more committed to it in a way and, and more in love with it, right? Without sacrifice, there's rarely reward. And I think it's just, it's just the MO of being an entrepreneur. I think it's in our blood. Well, and I think that's one of the things that makes this conversation so relevant is you, you've lived this as a founder, you've built this business, you've, you started from scratch, you made those early sacrifices and, and your focus has been on storytelling. So let's, let's kind of steer into that. The, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, Storytelling for marketers makes a lot of sense and marketers will even identify themselves as storytellers. I don't know that that's necessarily the case for a lot of founders and entrepreneurs. And, and I think a lot of them, and maybe we'll just make the assumption that a lot of them would think this is just, this is gobbledygook. This is marketing speak. I don't, I don't need storytelling. You know, how would you respond to that? And, and what's your viewpoint on this, this discipline, this idea of storytelling for, especially for a founder? Yeah, I, I, I love this question. So I think uh, I went on my own journey through storytelling. I, um, for my research for a book uh, called Resonate and storytelling now is woven through all of my body of work because storytelling actually changed me. Um, one of the things that I think happens is if we have this great idea, this great business, we 
um, set ourselves up as thinking our our product is the hero of the story, right? I made this great thing. I'm way into it. Uh, we make ourselves and our product the centerpiece of our lives. But in storytelling, you learn pretty quickly that in in a product, when you built a product, if your mindset's the right way, your product is actually, um, your consumer is the hero and your product is actually the mentor. Um, and it kind of flips your paradigm because the mentor in myths and movies, they come alongside the protagonist and help them get unstuck. That's the role. They give them a magical gift, a special tool, or help them get unstuck. Now, our products that we're developing should feel that way to our consumers, our heroes, right? So there's this user, you know, bop, bop, living their life and you, your product comes along and helps them get unstuck or brings a magical gift to their life. So this whole framing of story is really about making your consumers or customers the hero of the story and your product is what they need right along the journey, right at the right time to help them get unstuck. Now, what's interesting is that's one piece borrowed from storytelling metaphorically to apply here. Um, but the other thing about leading and not marketing. You know, I love that it's really about being a leader, being an entrepreneur. The um, All your employees that you're trying to attract, they all have choices of where they're going to get up and go to work every day. If you don't have an amazing origin story, you don't have an amazing calling story about why you're called to do this, people may not find meaning in what you do and who you are and the business. And, and you as leaders have to have what we call leader stories that you have all the time at the tip of your lips that creates longing. It makes people, you know, when they choose to get up out of bed and their feet hit the floor, they choose to walk into your place of business, not someone else's place of business. And story creates meaning and people want to find meaning in work more than they want money today. So it'll make you different. It'll make you stand out. It'll make it so people want to follow you. And one of the reasons I think leaders struggle with story is really, really, really great stories are about struggle. Um, it's a, there's a three-act structure where there's this likable entrepreneur is the beginning. <laughs> the middle is messy. They, had, they, they ran into roadblocks. And act three is they were changed because of the hardship. That is the most beautiful kind of story. A lot of leaders struggle to say, hey, life is messy. Life is hard. I messed up, but I overcame, and here's what I learned, yet that's what the components of a story are. So I really want to encourage everyone to embrace storytelling. It actually creates bonds between you and others, and it actually makes people really uh, long to work for you. So let's say that I buy into that, and let's say I'm a founder that has been convinced. You've, you've told me just an amazing story on why storytelling is so valuable. You've taken me on this journey, and now I, I, it resonates with me. It starts to connect with me. Let's say I haven't thought about this in the past. You know, now this is something that I'm starting to think about. I'm starting to think about you know, taking more than just my idea and building a business, building an organization, bringing people along for the journey, finding customers that are going to be interested in this, finding partners, hiring people. All of a sudden, I have this ecosystem of people that I want to share this dream mm -hmm. with. So, mm -hmm. so now this puts me in a, in a maybe uncomfortable place of I've never really told stories or thought about telling stories. And, but I want, I want that. I want everything that you just described. I want this journey. I want to come out on the end of this. I want people to feel like I've given them this magical gift. So what do I do? Help, help me, Nancy. Help me figure this out. What's, what are my next steps? 
I think um, what needs to happen is you need to uh, flip your perspective and you need to take a walk in your customer's shoes. Like one of my really good friends runs this bajillion dollar company around <laughs> client experiences and that bajillion she, we with were me. talking it, it is. She's going public this year, which is fun, but um, it probably is a bajillion actually. But, um, you know, we, we forget sometimes that, um, you know, we run our companies in old models and old ways of working, yet consumer behavior has massively changed. How we go and buy on our phone is so different than how lots of this big structures are set up. And by, by really w understanding the pain points of your customers, empathetically understanding the mindsets of your shareholders, really empathy think empathetically really thinking through where your employees are in their own journey. So um, is, is the trick. So I actually wrote a book. Um, my last book was Illuminate and it was directed to leaders. And my hope was that if leaders understood that what they're driving is similar to a movement. We studied um, with the, it's based in storytelling, but we added a lot of research on how movements work um, because in a, when you're driving toward um, epic scale, your followers, they, they poop out. They get tired sometimes. It's just hard haul to really make change. And so in this book, I was trying to really frame it so that the leaders could empathetically see what it's like when they say, let's drive this brand new initiative across multiple departments. You know, in business, that would be a movement, right? right. And, and people need a certain kind of emotional fuel at certain moments so they can keep going, so that they're charged back up, so that they do get out of bed and their feet hit the floor and they choose you. If you feed them the right emotional fuel at different times, well, the only way to know if you're fueling them in the right ways to empathetically know where they're at in their own journey and wrap your messages to that. And um, so whether it's a customer, an employee, a stakeholder, an investor, you got to really um, understand what they need, not necessarily what you would enjoy telling them the most. You know, I noticed that I tend to be farther in the future just as an entrepreneur. I'm constantly thinking about offensive and defensive moves 18 months out and so I'm always emotionally in a different place. So I'm all excited about something coming. And my own team is in the heat of the fray. They're in the long haul phase of the last initiative. And I'm like all bubbly about where we're going next. I'm, Could you just wait till we're done with this phase? We're tired and, and yet I'm fired up, you know. So our emotional fuel sometimes is different. Um, our own personal place is sometimes different than the people we're talking to. So if you recognize that in yourself and you see that you've you're, you've got a farther horizon. And it's actually one of the things we talk about in the book is thinking about things along these horizons and knowing where your place is and time at each of those. So if you're, a, you know, horizon one or two out and your team, the people around you are really in the fray, they're, they're in the details, they're, they're stuck in the mud, so to speak. What have you done with yourself to help you realize and empathize and start to think about what what is happening around them instead of, and pulling yourself out of that sort of distant frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause we're, we, um, my business is kind of cyclical. We get pretty hot in the fall cause that's when a lot of events happen, which means that's when a lot of our executives are speaking on big stages. And so we um, are going through a season right now where my emotional fuel is different than the team's emotional fuel. So what I did is I set up a, 
next level of leadership. And I'm using them as a listening board. And now before I speak at my own shop, they're vetting the messages to make sure, like, um, I just met with them yesterday. And, um, and they were like, Nancy, and they were honest, they're like, don't get up and say, I know everyone's working hard and tired. They're like, some are working hard, but some need to kick butt and work harder, you know? Hmm. And so we're having somebody else get up and deliver that message and say, hey, we just modified it to be like, hey, right now, if your neighbor's staying late, ask them what to do. We're, we're one team, we're uh, one goal, you know, kind of a thing. And I would have been like, I'm so sorry, y'all are working hard. And it, 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 it's good to vet your messages. I also, um, what I do with my exec team is I post anything I'm going to say internally. So my external keynotes are so easy and amazing. The reason my internal messages are harder is those people, they know anything that comes out of my mouth, I'm going to ask them to change or do something or we're headed somewhere. And so that's a harder audience even for me. So I post everything. Um, I post all my internal talks in Google Docs. My whole exec team piles in and comments and says, hey, say it this way, or are my team's at a little different place here? And they help me shape it empathetically to understand. And sometimes I'm surprised. They'll be like, ah, you know, scrap this and, and change this whole thing out. And it's good. And I trust them. I, even if I think it's the right time for a message, if they say their team's not ready, I just, I, I don't do it. I, I defer. Um, I think it's healthy to do. Well, and as you were describing that, I think that's hard for a lot of leaders uh, and, uh, you know, no fault to the founders, but they've created this great vision. They've brought people on board. I think sometimes it's hard to feel maybe even vulnerable to that core group of people around you to ask for their opinions and insights, especially when you're delivering a message that's so core to who you are. You're standing up on stage and speaking internally but you're asking people to weigh in on that. I, I, I think that takes a bit of an ego shift as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, a lot of leaders get where they are because we tend to see in black and white, right? It's mm-hmm. hard. It, it, um, it's like, okay, it's either a yes or no. It's either now or never. It's either, you know, we have to sift all our information, black, white, black, white, so that we can be decisive. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are decisive, whereas other people would look at the future and the unknown and think it looks foggy and faint and blurry. We're like, yeah, boldly go into that misty area over there, (laughs) misty and dark area. And we're just like, yay. And I think because we have to be so black and white, we struggle processing shades of gray. I guess, can a woman say you can't process shades of gray? But the the shades of gray that are right in the middle there, we can't see because our brain has to be kind of black and white. And so I think my team helps me see things in a way I can't. There's a lot of leaders who don't give people permission to be that person. Those leaders that don't give people permission to speak in their lives are also possibly the people that are resistant to storytelling. I think it's kind of tit for tat. Yeah. Well, and I, I do think you can say shades of gray as long as you don't put a number in front of it. So you're, you're in safe. You're in safe. You're in safe <laughs> right now I'm in two. Sta- I'm only in two shades of gray. That's black or white. So I might not be that interesting. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. It's very, there go. For you. it's very binary. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. So let's, let's shift this a little bit. So we, we talked a little bit about, you know, why it's important. And we talked a little bit about thinking around this range and, and, and you talked about some tactics. So let's get into a little bit of brass tacks here. If, if I've come on board and let's say I'm doing my first, you know, pitch deck to investors, or I'm starting to put that first presentation together to bring some people along what do you, what would you see? How would you advise a, a early stage entrepreneur or founder on 
the types of elements, the things that they should put into that story, what are the key components that they should be talking about for, the, for themselves and for their product and the vision that they have for the future? Uh, for like a pitch specifically for money or for sales or what? Yeah. So let's, let's start with pitch um, for, for investors. But I, but I also think the underlying is it's one thing for us to say storytelling and it's um, you know, to talk about the, the telling a great story, but I think getting into the practical aspects of helping an entrepreneur understand what is it exactly do I say? How much do I reveal a lot about myself? Do I, do I talk about myself in these pitches? Do I, do I just talk about my dream or a vision? Do I, oh, what are the what yeah. are the pieces that I should start incorporating here? I might not be comfortable talking about myself or some may be very comfortable about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because um, storytelling can sometimes be used broadly. And I do think that a, a, a first person story told with conviction is one of the most moving types of stories you could do. When you're talking with investors, you have to give them a reason to believe you are the right entrepreneur. And if you're a technical person, you have to have yourself and your CTO there every time. So you have to give them a reason to believe they can make a bet. Now, here in the Valley, it's possibly different than other places, but uh, investors bet on the CEO. And a CEO can try and fail, but if they think the CEO has the right DNA and has the right story and the right background, they'll bet over and over again until that CEO does a hit, you know? Right. And so you, you've got to give them enough credibility um, in who you are and what you do. Now, that can be in the pitch as just credentials. Um, you don't have to say, and then my mommy in an elevator and it was sad, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> you, you, um, you, um, but what you do need to do is give them a reason to believe that you're qualified. So that um, can be done in the form of a story. It could be um, that the story that definitely needs to be told is your origin story. So you don't have to do your credentials in the form of a story because that could be just one of the pages in the slide doc that you send. But instead, you need to um, uh, tell them the origin story. And, and that's like why you started it, why it was important, the need you saw it fill, how it helps your consumers get unstuck. And, and that's kind of the nature that you tell. The product itself uh, needs to have a story about it. Um, that story needs to sh share how it, your product helps human flourishing. If you just get in and geek out about some technology, but you cannot connect it to human flourishing, people may not be that interested because products need to create meaning and make the world a better place. So you need to connect your technology or product to human flourishing. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of things and ways you communicate in a pitch. Um, the, I mean, the first thing you do, you have to send some sort of a document. Usually they ask for slides, a slide doc that you send ahead of time. And that opens the door for you. That's like your emissary. When you're in the room, if they gave you 30 minutes, only take up about 12 or so and give the space for conversation. You don't stand and deliver for 30 minutes. You stand and deliver um, a key story arc at the beginning, then you get into how it all works, how it's gonna change the world, and then you um, take questions. I mean, you gotta have predictions in there, you gotta have what the market looks like and all those kinds of things. And then let them have a conversation with you about 
what is of interest to them. So you have to turn it over to the investors and let them make sure they leave the room with all their questions answered. Because the minute they hear your idea, they see it. They see it. They see the complexity practically. They understand the roadblocks you might encounter. They see a lot. So the reason they want to go into Q&A mode pretty quickly is either they're super excited and they want to they want to hear enough to validate it or they're kind of skeptical and they want to hear enough to not choose you. So they want to get to the parts they don't automatically see just by hearing the idea and you need to give them the space to do that and you need to book the space into your slot um, so they can control the room because that's the nature of how this works. Well, Is that helpful? I think, yeah, I think that last part in particular, I, I think uh, helping founders to not think of this as I've got a 30 minute presentation. So how can I pack 60 minutes into 30 thinking it more of how can I leave time for Q and a, and how can I get the, uh, the immediacy of the information delivered to them in a concise manner, but then open it up for that conversation. That's a, that's a shift. That's a game changer. I think for a lot of early founders and as they go into these pitches and in these first conversations, yeah, it makes a big difference. All right, so is that so, a question? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, more just Agreed. comments and commentary. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, good. Then we both agree that you're you're spot <laughs> that you're spot on here. So let's let's shift a little bit then. Uh, and I think sort of this last general area is you know of late you've been doing a lot of work around this idea of, of data and weaving data into your story. I'll kind of just toss yeah. this out to you as the softball question. You know, tell us a little bit about how you're thinking about data, why it's important, where it's important, um, weaving data into the story so that it's it goes beyond just sort of the hero's element here and, and you're incorporating data into the, the valuable fabric of this you know, conversation you're creating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's interesting is I, don't, I look at life, all of life now is like it's a story. You know, if I'm even having a bad day, I'm like, oh, I'm in the messy middle. <laughs> you know, I'll learn from this. This is great. You know, and then I know there'll be a resolution. And so when I put the story lens onto data, it was so fascinating. You know, we, we've been here, I'm, I'm kind of reveals my age, but we've been in the Valley at least for 30 years. And I work with the best brands in the world, the top brands in the world. And so the best strategies and data, most interesting data is like on my servers kind of a thing. And what, what I did is I went through, um, I, don't, I, I gathered about a thousand data slides and I looked at what chart was chosen and why, what nouns, verbs, adverbs, and adjectives and conjunctions are being used in relation to the data, you know, and I, I just mm -hmm. geeked out. I get, I'm a systems thinker and I just geeked out all over it. And, and what I found was that it, the, the most important thing was the verb used in association with the data because the verb is the action that the data is trying to drive. So when you look at data, um, most of the time you're collecting data so you can make a decision. Now, some people have analytical people that just flip them a chart like, hey, you know, what about this? And they'll just flip a chart. But what you really need is people on the team that could look at the data and make a recommendation. They need to make a recommendation. That recommendation has got to be worded in a way that executives process information. And so um, what, we what we did is took um, story thinking and applied it to how do you write an executive summary in the shape of a story? Well, that messy middle that I talk about in storytelling where story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, that messy middle is kind of what the, da what the data is saying. So how it would go is at the beginning of a data story would be, um, I've, I've, 
we're in this situation um, because we have this data that tells us this thing is very broken. Therefore, to end this story as a happy ending, we need to do A, B, and C. So it's worded in the form of a story where uh, the data plays the role of a of a, either an antagonist or a, 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 this data is, says this negative thing about us, or it's a protagonist. This negative says we have a huge opportunity that we need to move on. And so I, anyway, it's kind of, um, I need to work on making that super tight because I just, I just finished all of this deep body of work. And I, what, what I have found now is because we've been using this, uh, not only internally, but the people who started to go through my course they're like, oh, uh, my God, my company's going to make decisions quicker because we are framing this in a way that executives process information. And so I'm starting to see people apply it. And sure enough, decisions are moving up and down organizations quicker simply in the way the data is framed in the form of story thinking. So it's been it's um, it's so beautiful. I haven't written uh, this deep of a body of work in quite some time. And um it's 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 changing my own organization as we've been adopting the languages language in it and understanding, you know, well, what's the verb? What's the verb the data is asking us to do? You know, <laughs> and it, it's just fun. It's just fun. And and then you start a, a, a data journey as you try to transform your organization um, from because of what the data says. So it's all a communication play. Um, data is trapped. It's. I was just telling someone yesterday. It's like you know that scene in. The Matrix. I know people talk about the Matrix, where Neo is looking at all the glittery green letters falling, and and those gr glittery green letters fell in front of everybody. But he was the one who could process it and synthesize it in a way that he could see that there were people trapped in this world, and he could set them free. I think that the right data processed in the right way is a liberation tool. It's like, oh my gosh, I see this now. I'm going to go do this action. It's going to set this thing free, and put these things into action and um sounds kind of cliche but that's kind of how this course makes me feel <laughs> so well anyway. it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting perspective and a way of looking at the data because i think again if we're talking about this as a journey i think most people would think of data as a as a signpost as a mile marker versus something that's action and propelling you through those next couple of steps, either offering resistance or serving as a catalyst to drive you forward. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, uh, I could see as you were even saying it, I was kind of nodding along thinking, yeah, if I had data presented to me in that way and something that was actionable that had a verb associated to it, it would resonate with me much more quickly and much more readily than just, here's what the data says or just here's someone chart, presenting right. it. Exactly. Here's the chart. Yeah. The pie chart. It's so funny. I, I, I did that with my own data analysts and I, cause you know, they our data analysts. They're like freaking Neo. I mean, they are like Neo <laughs> in the, like, they're looking at this stuff pass by their eyes all day. And yet I wasn't getting any recommendations from him. So I said, Hey, well, if you were CEO looking at this data all day, you're seeing patterns, aren't you? He's like, yeah. I said, could you make a recommendation to me where you just take liberties and say, if I was CEO, here's what's important to me in the data and write out a recommendation. And he did. And he saw things no one else could see, but I didn't give him permission. Right. Or he didn't feel was at his pay grade or whatever. Like, you know, they feel yeah. funny yet. He saw things in there that I would never have seen because he's watching it, you know, go by him every day and, and he sees patterns. But once I gave him permission to turn those patterns into a recommendation, he did a really good job. And so it's kind of fun. All right. So when does the uh, when does the body of work come out around around your uh, your data analysis? 
Oh, it's um, so the um, course is already there. I did this backwards, oddly. Normally, I write a book, then I build the course, and then I do keynotes. This time I did keynotes. I got really positive reaction, and then I built the course, and then I, then I'm taking my course and all my facilitator notes, and I'm going to have someone else turn it into a book. It's there as a book, but I'm like now I don't have to write the book. So um, I'm talking I'm talking to someone right after this call who's going to synthesize all my stuff and turn it into a book. So it should be probably a year out. It takes forever. I don't know what's wrong with the publishing industry, but they take forever. So we'll let the it's world a- know when it's ready. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a slower process than I think uh, people want to absorb data these days. Um, okay, well let's let's use this as the sort of last question because this time goes by really fast, and I think we could talk a lot longer. But um, again, putting the founder hat on and thinking through those, especially those early stages, are there any pieces we missed? Any last closing thoughts you want to share in terms of the concepts of storytelling, being able to tell a story, structure a story, and and putting yourself into it? Um, yeah, I think um, there's just a lot of pressure on leaders today. And I, I think I want, if I, I think if everyone left with something, it's that um, life is hard um, and stories help us cope. And I think that if we um, become stronger at, at telling stories and telling the right stories at the right time, it gives us fuel and it gives those who follow us the fuel and transparency they need you know, to want to follow. And I think, um, I, it's funny, I'm considered a communication expert, yet I still stay very open to a lot of voices to help me change and be more effective. And so I would implore, you know, your um, listenership, is that what it's called? Sure, <laughs> To be open, to be open to feedback, and to take risks, and take tell stories, and and, and see what it does, and uh, and have great counsel in our lives. Um, I have networks of people that I meet with on a regular basis where we work on each other's stories, and one of them's like a hen house. It's all women. It's hysterical. It's like me, me, me. You should do that. Don't do that. Yeah, do that. You know, we're all these type A females, and we're like barking orders at each other, and it's the most invigorating thing I do for myself. But you got to have counsel and perspective and other voices in your life that'll call you on your stuff and and also encourage you in a time of great need. So, yep, I guess that would be my counsel. All right, that's a good place to end. So. Uh, Nancy, if people have been inspired by listening to you and they want to find you, where do they find you? Where do they find your books? Let's let's yeah, point yourself a little bit. Awesome. Oh, I would love to. So Duarte.com is the URL. Um, Twitter handle is at Nancy, at Nancy Duarte, or it's also at Duarte. And then um, I connect to anyone on LinkedIn that connects to me. And that's about it. How many books so far? Um, I've done, if you count what I just did at six, oh, we have an office in New York, by the way, too, um, in, um, in Brooklyn, but yeah, this is my sixth one. Um, so, well, there's one online that's free that I'm actually going to turn into a physical book because it's so popular. So including that one at six, yeah. I have a couple more that are going to be born soon. New little other books. Well, then maybe maybe we'll have you back, and you can you can talk about your future projects, and you can tell us how yeah. the data storing has has, has come out. Um, That'll so, be great. Yeah, we'll just we'll leave people with uh, you know find you on the website, connect with you on LinkedIn, look for you on Twitter, and uh, and find you by name wherever your favorite books are sold. Awesome! awesome. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, Nancy, thank you. This has been a really a great, rich conversation. I loved your perspectives on story, how to, how to turn people that might not necessarily be thinking about storytelling or this isn't a natural place for them, maybe even uncomfortable, um, the value of it, how to start thinking about it. And then again, even your, your concepts around data and helping people to understand how to make that more actionable and more directionable so that it's, again, not just this pie chart, this thing we show, it's something that you can actually react to. I, I think we're so um, spot on for this audience. So thank you. I'm sure our listenership enjoyed it, and I definitely enjoyed it as well. So Nancy, thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, that was great. I love listening to Nancy's point of view and her thoughts, her insights on data and where she's coming out with the book and her understanding of how data drives the story is exceptional. Uh, Every time I talk to her, I find something new, some involvement, if you will, of her thinking around the idea of story. If you want to follow Nancy, follow her on Twitter at Nancy Duarte. You can follow her on LinkedIn at Nancy Duarte as well. Or go to her website at Duarte.com. You can download and look at copies of her six books, hear what she has to say on the subject of data, see where she's talking, see what she's thinking about next. For us, well, if you want to hear more of what we talked about today, you can follow us in the book. That's Beyond Product, now available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Or you can subscribe and listen to us on the website and through the podcast. And that's foundersplace.co, foundersplace.co a place where exceptional founders grow. Thanks for listening, and I hope to talk to you again real soon. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, a place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.